Hi, I'm Adam Burton, the pastor at Central Baptist Church. Thank you for checking out this sermon. I pray that it encourages you and helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Well, as grateful as I am for you, please don't allow this message to keep you from connecting with a local church. If you're in our area, we would love for you to check us out at Central Baptist Church. God bless. As I talked with our, our kids just a few moments ago, you know, there, there's a, a lot of thought that goes into naming a, a, a person. Right now, if you're a parent, when, when you know, you found that you were pregnant and have a child, did, did, did you, you know, kind of make different lists of, of names that, that you might want to name your, your child? Maybe you went to the bookstore and bought one of the books that, that listen, dating myself a little bit. Now you just get online and, and search for the most, most popular baby names. But, you know, our names, they kind of trigger certain things for us. As Riley mentioned, we, we named her uh, Riley after my, my mother's family, who are Rileys, and which I am also a, a namesake, and Silas. Uh, his middle name is Drake, which is um, Jess's maiden name as as well. But we also sometimes, you know, name names based on certain uh, you know pop culture uh, types of uh, of trends as as well. Uh, you know, I, I came across doing some searching here uh, this morning and uh, or for this morning's message, and found here are some popular names that the Probably the 10 most popular names. These are girls' names. You got Savannah, Brooklyn, Sage, Paisley, Everly, and Genesis. Uh, I know the book of Genesis and the car Genesis, but I don't, I've never known a person named it Genesis, but it's one of the more popular girl names in 2022. Here's some boy names we've got Jaden, Hudson, Nolan, Easton, Colton, and Maverick. I think somebody's been watching a little too much. Top Gun. Um, but you know, sometimes a, a name gives us a a, a, a positive uh, image, but other times a name can give us a, a negative image. Maybe you hear the name of a person, and immediately you think to that bully that that got you every day in, in elementary school, or maybe it was that girl or that boy that stole your first crush. Maybe it was that student that was so bad that you considered retiring early. <laughs> this is an image of one name that you probably are all familiar with. Name Benedict Arnold. Did some research on old Benedict. He was a major general in the Revolutionary Army. He fought with distinction for the American colonists. In fact, he was a confidant, well-trusted by George Washington, so much so that, that the Washington made him the commander of West Point, a, a high honor. And then he was promoted to the rank of brigadier general, but the problem is, is that he was a general for the British Army, no longer for the Americans, for he had betrayed the Americans, and he began to command the American legion of the British soldiers fighting against the very same soldiers that he once commanded. 
Now, nobody names their kid Benedict because you don't want to be known as the Benedict Arnold because that is immediately associated with being a traitor. Now, you're familiar with uh, the, the Bible, and honestly, many people that aren't familiar with the Bible, when I mention the name of Thomas, immediately we think of doubting Thomas. Now, Thomas uh, um, was a doubter. But, you know, sometimes I think we, uh, you know, are more harsh toward Thomas than, than even Jesus was. Today's message is titled, Do You Believe? Do you believe? And we're going to see that we have everything that we need to believe that Jesus is our Lord and God. We have everything that we need to believe that Jesus is our Lord and God. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 20 as we read verses 24 through 31. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. May God bless the reading of His Word. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, we thank You for Your Word. God, the Word that we can trust God, with everything that we have. That we may believe that You, Jesus, is the Christ, the Son of God, and that we can believe and have eternal life in His name. That we can trust it for everything, both for eternity and to live life here on earth. Oh, Lord, I pray that if there be anyone here this morning that does not know You as their Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation where they would see uh, the ugliness of their sin and the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we have everything we need to believe. Jesus is our Lord and God. Thomas. Thomas 
His name is translated into English. It comes from the Aramaic word didymus, which some translations might have, which stands for twin. Now, we don't know who his twin is. Uh, you know, it may be someone in Scripture, but the, the authors of, of the Word of God and God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit felt that we did not need to know the name of his twin. Some scholars though, do believe that, that Thomas's first name was, in fact, Judas Thomas. Now, we can now understand why the, the gospel writers chose a, a different way to uh, identify him. Whereas bad as it is to be known as a doubter, how much worse is it to be known as a doubter and a traitor? But John speaks of Thomas more than any other New Testament author. In fact, the other three Gospels only reference Thomas as, as by name, as one of the 12 apostles. But, but John shows us the complexity of, of Thomas's relationship with Jesus. And we like to think of people as good or, or bad, whether it's in reality or in fiction. My son Silas is into that age of he loves superheroes. I mean, Spider-Man is his, his favorite one right right now. Sometimes though, he you know it, you've seen pictures. It can be a hundred degrees outside, and he puts on his full Spider-Man costume with the mask and everything. There's been days where he comes out of his room in the morning with that costume on, and he is Spider-Man with the web and, and everything. Occasionally, he also is Catboy or Sonic or the Green Goblin. But do you know who he isn't? He never dresses up as a villain. Right? All of his superheroes are, are the good guys. In fact, if I, I mention the name of, of, of a villain, I'll say, Silas, you're, you're this person. He'll say, no, no, I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> But I think sometimes we do the same thing when we read the Bible and we see the characters in Scripture. We, we, we immediately associate them as either good or bad. David, he's a man after God's own heart. Moses led God's people out of exile into the promised land. Solomon was wise. Peter was the rock. Sometimes we get amnesia when considering that David slept with Bathsheba and had her husband murdered. Moses disobeyed God and was prohibited from entering into the promised land. Or that Solomon was a ladies' man and took on foreign wives, including Pharaoh's daughter, beginning the demise of the nation of Israel. Peter, well, we know that he denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. Thomas doubted Jesus' resurrection, but I I think it's unfair for us to to, uh, allow this moment of weakness to, to define him solely as doubting Thomas. 
I mean, Thomas was chosen by Jesus to be one of the 12 apostles. He was on the dream team. He gave up everything to follow Jesus. And he showed signs of great boldness. After Jesus' friend Lazarus had died, Jesus wanted to go back to Bethany to to, to be with with Mary and and Martha and, and Lazarus. And we know now, ultimately, he wanted to go so that he could raise Lazarus from the dead. But some of the disciples, and we're not told who, but there is more than one who tried to convince Jesus to, to change his mind. Because previously, when they were in Judea, the, the Jews tried to stone and to kill Jesus. Now the disciples, you know, I know they're concerned about Jesus, but I believe they're also concerned for their own well-being. But look here how Jesus responds in John chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. He says, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. But it's Thomas who speaks up. He says this, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, he says, let us also go. Why? That we may die with him. Thomas's faith was strong when the other disciples' faith was weak. He was ready to die with Jesus. You know, the sign of a wise person is... Not so much by demonstrating how much they know, but it's in the questions that they ask. Now, most of us are too proud to ask questions because we're afraid that we'll be seen not as smart as the others. But in reality, everyone else is probably thinking the same thing. They're just not bold enough to ask the question. But Thomas asked Jesus one of the most important questions that is ever asked. He said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus responds with a a profound answer. You may have memorized this verse. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus answers Thomas because he asked the question, and Jesus was the most clear message to the exclusivity of salvation in Christ alone. He said that he is the only way, he is the only truth, and he is the only life. Nobody can, can find eternal life. Come to the Father except through Jesus. Then Jesus rebukes the apostles. He goes on and says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. But look here. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. They saw him in the person of Jesus Christ. They 
They know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life because he told them in person. So they know him and they are to believe in him. Recently, and I shared in, in this week's Central Connection, that, that the Gallup organization did a, a survey amongst Americans uh, looking at um, how Americans believe in God. And the, the results are a little concerning, in fact, quite a bit uh, concerning. And, and we, we see here that 81% Averaged Americans do believe in God. Now you might think, hey, you know, back when I was in school, 81 was a B. I'll take, I'll take a B. That's all right. Um, but we find that just in 2011, that that number was 92%. Right? In just a decade or so, 11% decline. And the belief in God. Now, <laughs> the questions that they asked, all right, this is the yes wording, is simply, do you believe in God? The question wasn't, do you believe in the God of, of the Bible? Do you believe in the God of the Judeo-Christian uh, uh, worldview? Right? The Muslims believe in God. Any cult would say they believe in God. No, this is a denial of any type of a divinity. But what is it that Jesus says? Go here real quick and look at it. It says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. But from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Friends, whether you're in this sanctuary this morning, whether you grew up in church or never darkened the doors of a church, we have everything that we need to know to trust that Jesus is our Lord and our God. Kind of digging in a little bit more detail to this, this survey, the, the second question that was asked among as far as the beliefs, get in a little more detail. It said, for each of the items that I read to you, please tell me whether it is something that you believe in, something that you're not sure about, or something that you don't believe in. So you got some options. What about God? So if we see here, the number drops even more. And in fact, it's less, probably about 76 or so percent in 2022, dropping from 79 percent. This would be a confidence in God, that they truly believe in Him. But then you get to the, the C question, which comes closest to describing you? Are you convinced that God exists? Do you think God probably exists, but you have little doubt? Or do you think that God probably exists, but you have a lot of doubt? Or you think that God probably does not exist, but you are not sure, or you are convinced that God does not exist? All right, in 2017, 
So there were 64% of Americans believed in that, that God does exist. But we see that while it hasn't declined much, it's still a little less than 64%. You're looking at around half of American surveyed said that they know without a doubt that God exists. But what really I found disturbing was, and I kind of extrapolated this, looking among young people, breaking down the demographics. We see 18 to 29, 30 to 49, 50 to 64, and over 65. Right, this is The blue here is 2013 to 2017. And so, and then 2022 is the orange. So we see an average among 18 and 29-year-olds, 78%. And then in 2022, 68%, a drop of 10 points. Now, this is the first question. Do you believe in God? Any deity, not defining who God is. 30 to 49, we see a slight drop from 86 to 81 be my generation. And then 50 to 64 from 93%, which is pretty high, down to 88%. And then 65 and older from 90 to 87%. And look, I'd love to see hopefully 100% on all of these. But this one really just (laughs) is quite disturbing that are young adults, right? those that, you know what, that are just now outside of, uh, of, of being, you know, kind of finding their way as adults in this messed up world that we live in, only 68% of them say that they believe in God. So, friend, I want us to give us the confidence this morning that we have everything we need to believe that Jesus is our Lord and God. We have everything that we need. And so we're going to look here in chapter 20, looking at how we have it all. Now, for some reason, beginning in this passage, Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus first appeared to them. Don't know why, but but we're not given that reason. But, But the disciples come back and they tell Thomas, that Jesus was alive and that they had seen him. But Thomas doesn't believe. Right? I mean, it's like they, they've come from seeing Jesus. They come back to the room and they say, Thomas, you can't believe what we've seen. We've seen the risen Jesus. It's like, no, you haven't. There ain't no way you saw Jesus. Look what he says. In defiance, it says... Unless I see the hand and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Unless I can see him with my face, put my finger in, it's just not enough to to look at him and to hear him speak, but I've got to take my finger and... uh, put it in his hands and take my hand and put it in the side where he was speared. If I can't do any of that, then I'm not going to believe. Now, put yourself in the disciples' shoes for just a moment. Right? I mean, you've seen Jesus with your very eyes. Now, look, we're, we're not just talking one disciple. 
but multiple disciples. And so the group comes back excited about what they have seen. And you look at Thomas and you say, Thomas, man, you're never going to believe it, but Jesus is alive. We have seen him. We know that it is him. And he looks, I don't believe you. There's no way. Now, I mean, we could understand it a little bit. If it was one disciple making this claim, you know, maybe he was just kind of a little off his meds that morning, was kind of seeing things, but but you could understand it too. If maybe they thought that they saw somebody who kind of looked like Jesus. You know, it could have been him, but I don't know, maybe it wasn't. But what makes it disturbing is that Thomas knew that the tomb was empty. He knew that Jesus said that he would rise from the grave, and yet he still did not believe. And he didn't just not believe, but basically he looks at these disciples, these men that he was with, all of them gave up everything to follow Jesus, and he looks at them and says, you guys are lying to me. Now, I don't think here that Thomas literally meant he, he wanted to stick his fingers into inside of Jesus' dead body or risen body that he didn't believe at that moment. I mean, unless you're a funeral director or a medical examiner, right? no right person wants to mess with corpses. Now, what I think Thomas is saying here is, look, if you want me to believe you, then you go and you bring Jesus to me. And you let me decide if you're telling the truth or not. Now, we talked about the good qualities of Thomas previously, the boldness that he had, but this is a low point for him. Because Thomas had everything that he needed to believe that Jesus was alive, and he should have believed so. Right? Jesus told him, he told the disciples that he would die and that he would come back to life. The tomb was empty. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and to the other disciples. See, the problem here isn't the evidence. Oh, the, all the evidence points to a risen Jesus. No, the problem here is a lack of faith and the arrogance of Thomas. He says, I'm not going to believe until I get everything on my terms until I get to to do it my way. This is the same lie that Satan told Eve in the Garden of Eden when he said, did did God actually say these things? Causing her to question God's word. It's the same lie that we're told today in 2022. Friends, for we have everything that we need to believe that Jesus is our Lord and God. So when only 61% of young people or 87 or whatever number of Americans say that they don't believe in God, it's not because of a lack of evidence. It's because there's a lack of faith, a lack of belief. But in these next few verses, we see Jesus' love. For Jesus would have been justified in, in leaving Thomas in his unbelief. But Jesus comes and 
literally meets Thomas where he is. Except, Jesus doesn't come exactly as he wants. Jesus is still the one in control. Look here at verse 26. We see that eight days later, the disciples were inside once again. Now, the Jews in counting would count that day as well. So we're talking the next Sunday, a week later, is when Jesus appears to Thomas. Can you imagine what that week was like? The disciples in that locked room together. Many of them had seen Jesus. But Thomas didn't. And he didn't believe. Has anybody ever been on a vacation where you're in a a, a hotel room or a condo or a a house and maybe you bring the whole family, different groups, and everybody doesn't always get along and and there's a disagreement that happens early on in the vacation? For some, that can be a pretty miserable time. I've heard some people just go into the room and lock the door and stay in there an entire week. I can't imagine what it would have been like for the disciples in that, in that day. But, but we see here that the doors were locked. And what happens? Jesus comes and He stands among them. And He says, peace be with you. How did Jesus get into the room? He wasn't a ghost. But He was a risen Lord. Jesus wants to get behind a locked door. He'll do it because He is God. But immediately He seeks to calm their fears. Peace be with you. And then immediately He turns His attention specifically to Thomas. Look what He says here. He says, put your finger here and see my hands. and Put out your hand and place it in my side. What Jesus or what Thomas asked to see, he said, "If I get these things, then I will believe." So he gives him the opportunity to to do that. And again, there's among scholars whether this is some figurative language or did he literally stick in his fingers in these in these spots? I don't know, but we know the the purpose of it here is so that. He would believe. And then Jesus says, do not disbelieve, but believe. Sometimes our we're preconditioned, and I believe it's a part of our fallen sinful nature, is we're preconditioned to disbelieve things. It is, look, it's up to me to decide whether or not I'm going to Believe or not. You've got to do it everything to, to, to make me believe. Because why we want to be the ones in control. But whether you believe or not doesn't change the facts. Right? You can tell me two plus two is four, and if I keep saying it's five, 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 I can believe it's five all day long, but 
what? It's still four. But we want to be the one in control. But so Jesus says, don't disbelieve, but believe. And he showed Thomas what he wanted, not because he had to, but because of his love for him. Look what he says here in verse 28. My Lord and my God. When he experiences, Thomas responds in the only way a person can who encounters the risen Jesus. My Lord and my God. And here we see this connection of these two words that are there for a reason, right? God, He is the all-powerful, all-creating, sovereign King of all creation. And, and we see the personal nature of Him as the Lord. God is God, whether we choose to believe or not. But the question for us, is He your Lord? Do you believe that in your heart? Praise the Lord that Thomas came to that understanding. See, Lord is a, the personal name of the omnipotent God. In fact, I, I wish the Gallup would have added that question in. Is he Lord? We look here at verse 29. Jesus responds to him. He says, have you believed because you have seen me? Here, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, if we're just kind of reading through this pretty quickly, we might miss a little bit of the tone that Jesus is speaking in. In fact, Jesus is rebuking Thomas. Now, it's a Gentle rebuke, but it's a rebuke nonetheless. In fact, I, I wish I could learn, and we could learn to rebuke each other as gentle as Jesus does to Thomas. But look, I mean, what he's saying is, look, you, here you go. I, I've given you what you wanted. You wanted to see the nail holes in my hands and the spear hole in my side. Look, I gave it to you. Now, do you believe because you've seen this? He said, but those who believe without seeing are far more blessed than you. For he should have believed from the very beginning. I mean, Jesus saying, look, I sent the Old Testament prophets to tell you that this was going to happen. You were there when I performed all of the, the, the healings and the miracles. You saw me raise Lazarus from the dead. And I told you that I was coming back. But you still wouldn't believe? But I love you. And I'm going to help you to believe. We have everything we need to believe that Jesus is our Lord and our God. Do you believe it? 
I want to speak to those who have not trusted in Christ. Ask their Lord and, and Savior this morning. Do you believe that Jesus lived the perfect sinless life that you couldn't live? Do you believe that he died the sinner's death that you deserve and that he was raised from the grave on the third day? You see, there's only two ways for us to live. Either we live in that belief, salvation, that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ, or we're against the Lord. Sometimes we think that there's a third way. Well, I'm almost there. I just haven't yet. I just, you know what? I need some more evidence. I've got some questions that, you know what? I haven't been answered. And you know what? God, you know what? He needs to take care of all of this stuff before I believe. That is unbelief. And as gentle as I can be, not near as gentle as Jesus, but is without belief, you are still dead in your sins. And we'll spend eternity in hell. But the good news is through the, the working of the Holy Spirit, it is that Jesus loves you and that He that He has provided a, a way for you to believe. The Bible, as I said before, and I heard it from somebody, it's not mine, but the Bible tells us everything that we need to know, but not everything we want to know. In fact, John says this explicitly. He said, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that what? You may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Friend, may you trust in Christ as your Savior and Lord. You have everything you need. All the evidence that you need to believe. For Jesus did come. He did live. He did die. He did rise from the grave. And He now reigns at the right hand of the Father. Do you believe? For those of us who have trusted in Christ as our Savior and Lord, do, do we trust Christ for our life? I think we struggle. There's times when we're like the, the bold Thomas, and then there's times when we're the weak Thomas. Now, it, I don't know about you, but I wish that life would be perfect. I wish that everything would go our way and that everything would just be hunky-dory and I would never make a wrong decision and that it wouldn't feel like I'm being attacked by anyone. But when we want everything to be perfect, it shows us that we have a lack of faith because we want to handle life on our own terms. You know, I'll, I'll follow Christ when, when, you know what, everything... Is right. I'll I'll trust in in God with my uh, my finances and and give uh, faithfully of my tithes and offerings. When you know what we get our debt settled and we get a little more comfortable to get that pay raised, then then I'll trust. Or 
You know what? I'll, I'll serve in the church when, and when, you know what? Life just gets a little more simple and things slow down a little more and I've got more time on my hands. Then when everything's just right, then I'll, I'll serve. Or when I, when I just get a, a little more comfortable, get some more training and knowledge on how to share my faith with others, that's when I'm going to start witnessing. Or I'm going to come to church when, you know what, when I wake up and I'm not tired or the kids aren't fighting and, you know what, it's just, everything's just right. I hate to break it to you, but none of those things are ever going to happen. But we're called to trust in the Lord, to have faith in the mess of life. For if everything was going our way, then we, we wouldn't need to be saved from anything. But trust, belief, Faith, we can interchange those words, all occur in the messiness of life. And guess what? He will never leave you nor forsake you. We can believe because Christ is indeed risen. That's how we continue on. And we know we've got cancer. Or when we have to go by ambulance to the hospital because we're short of breath or we lose our job or our relationships are just crumbling before us. But the good news to know is that there will be times where we lack faith. In those moments, cling to Jesus' grace. Look at this quote from J.I. Packer, he says, I need not torment myself with the fear that my faith may fail as grace led me to faith in the first place. So grace will keep me believing to the end. Faith, both in its origin and continuance, is a gift of grace. We have everything that we need to believe Jesus is our Lord and God. Thank you for listening to this message. To listen to other messages and to learn more about Central Baptist Church, visit our website at cbcmaysville.com.